What is up? Welcome to the second episode of the Divine Lowdown Podcast Interview Edition. On this episode, I had the pleasure of chopping it up with a good friend of mine, an amazing piano player and worship leader, Mr. Justin West. In this episode, we talk music, working on tour with one of the most popular groups of all time, and the high honor of leading worship for a church congregation. So, I hope you enjoy. Yeah, uh, thank you for joining. Oh man, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. What's uh? Yeah, so I mean, we kind of touched on it before, but yeah, what's been new with you? Man, just just parenthood. The adventures of parenthood is a whole new ball game, you know. And especially during a season like this, where you know you can't really go anywhere. Yeah. So it's not like you can even just go for a walk elsewhere outside of your community, you know. So. Um, just trying to figure it out, but outside of that, man, everything's great, man. How about you? Pretty good. I mean, I kind of thrive in this environment just because I, I'm sort of a, like, whatever, homebody or introvert. I I always say it on the podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's pretty true. Like, and I'm not really struggling at all. Um, I do miss like jamming though, like whether it be with like you or, uh, like Luke or Derek or whatever. Yeah. And then skateboarding, though, weirdly, like when I was skating, I kind of stopped skating with people, like going to skate parks as much mm-hmm. before the pandemic. And so like now it's just another day. Right. You're just easy breezing now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely overworked, though. I'm <laughs> sick of work. <laughs> I've never felt so convicted to like just go like all in on uh, n- not doing what I love. <laughs> right, 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 right. Same, same. It's, it's one of those things where, like, I, I'm kind of like you where I am more introverted. I think the only thing that that's made this tough is, is you know, a baby all the time. But outside yeah. of that, man, it's like I'm, I'm the same, man. Like, I'll, I'll lock myself in a room for hours and hours and hours and have no problem, you know, yeah. get to eat sometimes, you know. So it, it's it's definitely been one of those things where it's like, everything everything being slowed down is giving me time to think and i've found that that's kind of helped the music move different you know where it's like oh i actually have something that i've thought about that i want to talk about you know yeah just talking about nothing you know have you uh been doing anything uh lately with it you like any new songs a little bit like i haven't i haven't finished any songs but definitely allowed the it it's it's been a a a different look at my own creative process. It's almost like a renaissance of sorts of my own creative process where it didn't look like it used to look when I was, you know, a senior in high school and could stay up, you know, till four in the morning and have no problem the next day. Yeah. You know, um, it doesn't look like that, but it, it's, it's kind of like revisiting what I did then and, you know, in life now. And mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to meld the two together, and and you know, it, it's been fun, man. A lot of cool things are coming out, and realizing that like pressure has been my enemy when it comes to creativity. So yeah, trying to create a space of no pressure has been been key, man. Dang, 
as far as like uh have, has anything changed as far as like uh because obviously i'm sure you've like grown a lot like with the theory and stuff like that has any of that sure. uh hit your the stuff you've been working on or is it still kind of the um, same a little bit i think i think what theory has done is like the things that i'll play whether it be rhythmically or or uh, melodically i'll I, I actually know what I'm doing instead of just playing something and going, oh, that sounds cool. Next. Yeah. Like, I'll play it and go, oh, got it. I know exactly what that is. Yeah. And why. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. It's like you've, before it's almost like as if we're uh, like just scrambling words together and then right. it may make a sentence, whereas now it's, <laughs> you know why each word is a word. And 100%. Kind of, 100%. Yeah. You understand the verbs and nouns and what, yeah. you know where where punctuation goes if you yeah will. exactly yeah. yeah yeah i've actually been um super super into john coltrane lately oh well there you go <laughs> so <laughs> that go. kind of like now granted like me being into i think i've been guilty of this too but i don't want to like make myself sound like me being in the john coltrane means i'm like on this next level of like <laughs> theory or whatever sure yeah. but definitely uh have been really interested on like how he like challenged himself and so like the song giant steps yeah Mm -hmm. like wow it's like three (laughs) different keys in one right but like not you know it's not like obvious when the key changes it's like every single few notes right the key changes right he made he made avant-garde jazz uh palatable yeah where it's like, oh, an average listener can listen to it if they want to and not be completely turned off. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. then uh, towards the end, because I was watching his uh, Netflix documentary. I um, didn't even know he had one. Yeah, him and Miles Davis. I got to watch Ooh. Miles Davis's too because okay. John Coltrane has c- caught my ear more than Miles Davis. Yeah. Um, but Miles Davis, like, it, he's obviously like super loved. And I want to see like kind of more why. I know. His thing has to do with like modal jazz. Okay. Like, uh, so I think he incorporated the modes like Dorian and Lydian and all that stuff in his work. Right. Um, but yeah, I want to observe that a, a bit more. So that's going to be kind of another journey. <laughs> that's, that's theory is a, is a, is a black hole, man. It's like, you'll never, you'll never know everything. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, you're constantly on the journey of discovering more. It feels like the ocean almost, right? Where like they feel like they've discovered it all and then they're like, oh, that's a crater I've not seen before. Yeah, very true. And then when you like, at least for me, when I'm learning theory, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to apply this to everything. Right. And it's not, it it usually doesn't happen like that. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, here's a perfect moment to use this thing that I, it kind of just like, like comes out of you or something. Right, because theory, if anything, is the science behind feeling. Yeah, there we go. When the music is coming out, it's like you're not thinking about the science at that moment. You can go back like this. Like it's almost like theory is for the observers to to like pick apart what you felt. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, and how to replicate it or something. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And almost make sense of like why what you made made them feel a certain way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I heard a, a, a Pharrell um, interview where he was talking about how he'll be in the elevator and he'll hear something like like just elevator music and for whatever reason it'll make him feel something. Mm-hmm. So he he will uh, uh, Shazam it 
And then when he gets home, he'll listen to it like 30 times to figure out why it made him feel that way, deconstruct it, and then try to reconstruct it in a different way so that he can make something new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another example. I don't think I... I might have shared this with you. Uh, Tyler, the creator's Earthquake or Earthquake. Okay. We, We briefly talked about it. Yes. That song has that one moment where it's like, whoa. Because he, he did it live with uh, Charlie Wilson okay. and uh, I think a couple dudes from Boys to Men. Mm-hmm. And they did that. They sung that one part yeah, uh, because it's very vocal driven. Right. And I'm still trying to figure it out, but I like kind of got it on the keys a little bit, but like, whoa that's like the best that's the number one example i go to when it comes to like that feeling because he even talked about it on his interview with rick rubin like i'm i'm in no way shape or form trying to like promote this dude but like (laughs) his his chord ability is like like his knowledge of chords and like his mindset as far as like the order of like the importance of music like i i I link with totally right right there's a difference i think between you know supporting and pushing forward and respecting somebody's knowledge and yeah their game, you know yeah very true so yeah no no i i, I would i listen to a, a tyler record heck no but yeah. do i respect the dude's game and his hustle and what it's 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 crazy when you can see like somebody that like the world would consider just a rapper no chord structure and theory yeah you know it it, it kind of makes it, it puts a different color on on the the art form that is rap you know yeah yeah very true Mm. yeah him and like pharrell kind of kanye too like those three like they they know what they're doing 100 percent. and like uh, yeah like obvious statement but (laughs) i'm like just realizing it now because i'm so focused on like oh rap like eh, they probably don't even know how to play the piano or something right and then prove me wrong (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, well, enough of that. Uh, let's get into you, though. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you kind of like some background stuff. So like sure. as far as like your upbringing, like growing up in the church and mm-hmm. like where you start, where music kind of came into your life, mm-hmm. if you want to touch on that. Well, um, so I had kind of a, a 50-50 split of an upbringing where I went to what would be considered a, you know, quote unquote, black church or gospel church, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but I went to what would be considered a quote unquote all white school, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Christian school. So, you know, on Sundays I was getting pumped, you know, gospel straight to my veins. And then, you know, throughout, you know, I think we had we would have chapel on, I think, Wednesdays, um, Wednesday mornings. We'd have chapel at school and it was everything you'd hear on air one. And, you know, trying to figure out as a kid, like, wait a minute. It's like, what is this? You know, because I knew one felt better to me and, and the other didn't. And, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and and it was just different responses, right? Because in, in the church that I grew up in, everybody's on their feet, everybody's moving, everybody's responding vocally and, and physically. Where at school, first off, the kids don't want to be there off top. So, yeah, you know, it took a long time for me to understand that that was supposed to be worship you know um so that that is where there was like this broad span of musical you know like within christian music um 
like a broad span of, of what I was exposed to. Mm-hmm. But then I have my dad who, you know, was in he's been in the music or, or was involved in the music industry in the 70s and all of that. So what did know, uh, I mean, we're going to get into that, too. But what yeah. did he do? I just want to whatever <laughs> I'm going to ask you now. <laughs> so my dad was he he went to school or he, he took classes on on uh, PR uh, uh, you know, to be to be a uh, oh. uh, public relations person, and so he knew that. But but his he cut his teeth with Earth, Wind, and Fire. So like, he he would chase. He basically, and, and I hope this doesn't make my dad sound crazy, but I mean, <laughs> God, God had a plan at the end of the day. Yeah, he basically chased Stevie Wonder around the country to see if he could work with Stevie, like writing letters and back and forth to his management team and all of that, mm-hmm. and then through that ended up getting linked up with earth wind and fire and and you know went to a concert of theirs got connected with them and and long story short started working with them so after that that was kind of his foot in the game and and for them he he kind of like the i think the cheap term is is to say like a gopher so which is like anything that anybody needs right when mm-hmm. my dad kind of did a lot more than that um you know cuz he would he would make sure the clothes were steamed, so he like kind of did a little bit of wardrobe, and he did a little bit of uh, personal management. Um, but then, you know, after he left Earth, Wind, and Fire, he helped my uncle with his with his gospel career, um, and then he helped my godmother with her gospel career. But then he was the manager for the Winans, um, the the Winans brothers, their group. Whoa! Yeah, he managed them for a little bit. Um, as far as I know, I, I, if it wasn't management, it was a, it was a high up position with them. Mm-hmm. I think like road manager, tour manager, something like that. Um, but so that, that's, he's kind of done every, a lot of different things in the, in the behind the scenes, you know? Um, so as far as, you know, artists and touring goes. So, yeah. 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 So did do you kind of like, like growing up, did you kind of get exposed to that already? Yeah, well, def- so so my godmother is Denise Williams. So, um she was a she was an artist. She did a song called Silly, um Let's Hear It for the Boys and, and Free and things like that. Okay. Um so like whenever we go to her concerts, you know, the different people she's connected with, I got a chance to see the the entertainment industry, but more so with Earth Wind and Fire cuz they were just, you know, they're they're known on a broader scale. Yeah. So, you know, just getting a chance to like I didn't know I've I didn't know what it was like to actually go to a concert just as a guest until maybe three years ago. Dang. Like I didn't I don't under, I didn't understand the concept of like having to park your car and, uh. like leaving the gig. It's like, oh my gosh, it takes yeah. two hours to get out the parking lot. I didn't I didn't get that, you know. because um, as a kid it was just we didn't me and my sister, we we it was it was all Earth, Wind, and Fire, everything. So we didn't really see a whole lot of other concerts. And mm-hmm. if we did go to concerts, it was people my dad knew. So, you know, it was. Yeah, it, you're not it was about a, to use the porta potty. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It was like I, it was. It's strange, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so all of that kind of influenced my musical background with just music totally because I grew up on Stevie Wonder, Jackson Five, Michael Jackson. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, obviously, mm-hmm. and Temptations, and then all gospel. So it's like at home, it was all gospel, and then you know, soul and old school and R and B music, and then church, it was gospel, and then at school, I would get like maybe 
10 minutes of contemporary Christian music at the time. That's so crazy. So, you know, it was like a, a stretch to figure that side out. You know? Yeah, I didn't even know contemporary music existed 10 years ago. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, dude. Chris, Chris Tomlin was holding it down. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's wild, right? Um, so let's see. Oh yeah, so when did you start playing the piano? Uh, legend has it, and I say legend has it because my mom told me the story. Yeah, um, she said I was four, and it was around Christmas time. Somebody had just bought, or they had given us a piano that they had inherited, um, and they said, you know, in case Justin grows up and plays it, that's as far as it went. Um, yeah. So that had gotten delivered to the house maybe a couple months before. Um, it was around Christmas time, and on TV, uh, the, the you know the old Hershey Kiss commercial where it played "Hark of the Bells." Ooh, I, I know. So there was this there was this uh, uh, Christmas commercial for Hershey Kisses, and and the the actual candies would would ring like bells playing the song "Hark of the Bells," right? Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. So um, my mom said. <laughs> Like I, I heard that at four years old and I ran to the piano and I found it. I just, I found it in the piano. Oh, and my dang. mom said, who taught you that? And I looked at her crazy. Like, you didn't just hear that? Like, <laughs> it was just on TV. What do you mean who taught me? It was, it was just, I, cause I thought everybody could do that. Yeah. You know? And so then she goes, okay, we're putting you in lessons. And so, uh, when I was seven, she put me in lessons and that lasted till I was in sixth grade i think and then you know oh dang yeah the money we actually did lessons like the same amount of time but obviously you kept playing (laughs) yeah but no i mean well you you still use it that's the thing well it's kind of different like it it like came uh i guess it came full circle Mm. um because yeah like i I just got as far as like you know a beethoven song here or there and like didn't really get too much into like the black keys mm-hmm. um on the piano but yeah now i'm like i've actually been playing a lot more lately that's dope see but, I'm, I'm telling you man it's like when i was a kid everybody everybody would say don't ever stop because if you oh, stop lessons oh, yeah you know you'll regret it the rest of your life and i was like yeah right i hate <laughs> lessons what do you mean like i regret yeah. it it's too much classical it's way too much classical but but you know what though it wasn't what ended up happening was like i i was like i'm really really slow at reading and like whether it's a book or piano notes like i'm I'm Mm -hmm. just slow at reading and so it was real real hard for me so what i would end up doing was when i go to lessons i would play the song wrong and my teacher would play it and that's all i needed i just needed her to play it so i could hear it Uh, and then i would just memorize what she did come yeah. home and just practice what she did and and you know she ended up catching me because she realized i wasn't looking at the paper <laughs> and so she took the paper away and i kept playing and she was like what are you doing i was like oh no you know so so the you know all those years of lessons it gave me like a a pretty solid foundation but i i i believe that if i would have applied myself as far as no, the notation goes in the theory i would be way further than i am now yeah like night and day yeah true i mean yeah, yeah same here that's <laughs> <laughs> all good yeah you definitely have come a long way so hey man youtube and david richards will, will help you out man oh man <laughs> big shout out to david <laughs> a big shout out talk about theory man Dude, he's, he's got a i don't know what i'm gonna do with this, this podcast like 
Yeah. I don't know if I want to do like a whole like music side of things because yeah. just because I'm that's what I'm passionate about. But man, right. that would be fun. Dude, I'm telling you, man, he he's a guru. He would be, he would be <laughs> you know, a weekly check-in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm got to hit him up. Yeah, man. Um, so, okay, so, yeah, assuming people who, assuming, like, there's people out there who don't know who your uncle is, mm-hmm. uh, care to explain? <laughs> so, my uncle is, okay, well, so when I say uncle, I'm not talking, you know, blood. We don't, we don't share blood relation. I've heard some crazy things over the years of people <laughs> trying to fight me on that fact. And I'm like, uh, no, we're not blood related. So <laughs> when I say uncle, I mean him and my dad are like best friends as if brothers. And I've grown up only calling him uncle. So his name is Philip Bailey. He is uh, um, the lead singer for Earth, Wind & Fire. Um, it, you know, if you, if you don't know the band or anything about the band or him, just look up the song Reasons on YouTube and there you go. That's Philip. Facts. Yeah. I learned a huge like, just like that. Just the verses on that song. <laughs> well, here you go, bringing it to me again. Yeah, no, uh, no, you get it. The, the verses on that song have yeah. made me uh, learn so much about like, like the like on the bass, like the one and the five, and yep. like how important and the octave. Yep. Yep. Like, yep. dude, wow. <laughs> yep. Dino well, is a master. Yeah. That, yeah. Exactly, Verdine. He's but, a master at that. But yeah, that song was so fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> man. <Wooden> fire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, continue. No, yeah, so that's him. That's that's who my uncle is. Dang. Okay, so all right, so fast forward a little bit, like okay. uh so I yeah, so that's your uncle. And then how did you get the gig basically? And what what did you do? So I was a junior in high school um and and uh you know he they they were working earth wind and fire was working on uh their record i think it's called now then and forever and he knew that i was interested in music so he told my dad you know hey we're recording at the studio in la grab justin bring him by and and just let, let's let him just be in the room you know mm-hmm. and so uh, we went and it was one of the dopest experiences of life. You know, it was like one of those like be a fly on the wall, but a sponge at the same time, like soak up mm. everything you can, you know, uh, like respect the space, if you will. Yeah. Um, and uh, from that conversation or from that time, he goes like he saw he saw how much like I, I sucked it up. And he was like, OK, would like next year, would you like to go on tour with us just to to just to come see the road? And I was like really like is that even a question (laughs) kind of question is that of course um long story short it didn't end up working out that year but the summer after my senior year in high school um you know he he said well let's do it this year so I went out for about eight days and I thought I was just gonna observe and man was I wrong they put me to work you know it was it was you know I learned everything from um ticket management um so like how to uh, distribute the, the like the certain amount of tickets that an artist gets per gig or per per venue, um, mm-hmm. and how to get that to the box office, how to explain that to the box office, how to make sure a backstage is set up and, and the writer is fulfilled, um, how to oh is okay so the writer is that yeah. like when like someone will say like oh I only want like green 
M&Ms or something? That, that is an example, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. That, that's an extreme example. Yeah, but, you know, Because, like, like, on everybody's rider, on, especially singers, it should be water. You know, water in right. uh, some kind of snacks. Because the thing is, what people don't realize is artists get to the venue, like, like three in the afternoon. So if the show is at, like, eight, that person's been there from three to eight. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you want to have snacks there. There's catering most of the time, but you still want to have snacks. You know, you're, you're there for a long time. And, and for the most, most of the day, you're just sitting around. Yeah. So I had to learn how to, you know, how a backstage needs to be set up according to the writer, um, how to make sure the artist is taken care of and they have everything they need. Um, yeah, man. And, I mean, and down to the hotel. So it's like how to make sure uh, the bags get to the, the rooms of everybody. So band, staff, and the artist. Um, and then when we're leaving a place, how to get them back down and loaded into the bus and out on time, you Dang. know, so. Would it just be that. you or was it? Oh, um, no, 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 no. It's, oh. a, it's a machine. Oh, dang. It's a big machine. Yeah. So I had a, I had a mentor by the name of uh, Ralph Dickerson and he's still working with him now. He is legendary. He, he is the king of, you know, making sure everybody's taken care of and everybody's stuff is taken care of. Like he was so good that on the tour buses. Like if, if like, let's just say you and I are walking down the street with, and, and Ralph just so happens to be standing near us mm-hmm. and we say, man, you know, I've been craving, um, let's say I've been craving roasted alm- almonds, right? Like, like, let's say, uh, uh, yeah, salted roasted almonds. I've been just ha- got a craving for them, right? Mm-hmm. By the end of that day, next time you get on the tour bus, there'd be roasted almonds sitting in the kitchen that because Dang. Ralph just heard it and, and he would move on it. You Dope. know, he was that kind of guy. So respect yeah man he's he's good dude good dude shout out to him <laughs> has there ever been a time where they would uh you know like get mad at something or like oh, that yeah. that you've did or like you the rider wasn't on point or something or yeah <laughs> there's, there's a couple um <laughs> man yeah <laughs> so yeah there's a couple there's a couple <laughs> the the main thing the main thing is it, uh, imagine it like a like a, uh, a a navy ship, right? Everything has to run smooth. So if there's a hiccup, everybody's getting it. Everybody's mm. getting it because it shouldn't have not it shouldn't have happened. So here's an example, right? We were in. Oh man, we were in. I want to say we were in Minnesota somewhere. No. No, 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 no. Sorry. We were in Idaho. I remember we were in Idaho (laughs) and all the restaurants closed. I mean, first off, we're in like some backwoods town in Idaho. Like the hotel was there. The venue was obviously more in a metropolitan area, but even that isn't super densely populated, you know? Yeah. So all the restaurants closed at like seven o'clock. We went on stage at seven o'clock or they went on stage at seven o'clock. And it was one of those gigs where like, the hotel was just there so we could shower after the show. Mm-hmm. So like we got to the hotel in the morning. We, you know, kind of, we didn't even unpack our bags, just kind of put the bags down, got back on the bus, went to the gig after the gig. We're supposed to come back to the hotel to get our bags, jump back on the bus and then go to the next city. Mm-hmm. Right. So we were at the gig and between the road manager, myself and Ralph Dickerson, we did not, oh, and the tour manager, we, somehow forgot to order the 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 artists so the the three original members their food for after the show right yeah 
So that means we were all going to, they were going to have like a nine hour drive with us with no food, like no dinner. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was a problem, like (laughs) a problem because at the hotel, they didn't, they didn't, their, 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 uh, room service was closed down at that time. Right. So we get to the hotel, there's no food. We get back on the bus, there's no food. We let the principals know like, Hey, there's no food. Epic fail. Right. So, (laughs) so. You know, Verdine in a, in, a, in a very direct but but clear way, you know, let us know, like, and, and pulled us aside and let us know that can't happen. Like, yeah. it's their job to put on a good show and, like, without them doing what, you know, they do, none of us get paid. Right. And if they don't get food, like, because we all ate because we got a chance to eat while they were, you know, performing. So... If, if, if they're not getting a chance to eat, that, that's not good. That, that's a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. So essentially what, you know, he, he, he let us know for about an hour. Like, <laughs> don't ever let that happen again. You know what I mean? Hey, so, yeah, we, we never let that happen again. And then he explained to me later. It was real cool. He pulled me aside and goes, listen, sometimes you ha- I have to be a little more aggressive so that the point goes across. Because it's, you know, on the road, it's, you become family real quick. Mm-hmm. And it's real easy to kind of go, yeah, well, whatever. Right. So every now and again, he has to remind you like, yo, I'm still your boss. You know? Yeah. 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 There were there were a couple of those. Not not for the same issue, but, you know, things (laughs) where just just reminded us, you know, the same game. Just me like not being that good with the conflict. Oh, man, man. It was it was uncomfortable. (laughs) <laughs> it was uncomfortable and then to have like a one-on-one conversation after i was like man i don't oh, want to be here right now bro man, that's you crazy know? but it's all good it, it works <laughs> out and everything was a learning lesson you know? yeah so. um what's the craziest like gig that you got to be a part of like uh as far as maybe the the venue or the size of the crowd or um, there was two. We did we did the Apollo for an Oprah Winfrey televised special. That was crazy. Wow. Um, just just on the merit of everything I just said, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oprah is involved. It's at the Apollo, and this is going to be televised. So that changes a whole lot, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was crazy. Um, but I think the craziest one was we went to we went to London. And did something called uh, the Proms in Hyde Park, and that gig was bananas because that whole week was crazy. Because we went to the the studio that the Beatles owned, so Abbey Roads. Mm-hmm. We went there, um, and they rehearsed with a, a giant orchestra in in Abbey Roads. Um, we ended up we got to take a picture like doing the whole Beatle walk across the street thing. Oh, dope! <laughs> um, and. Uh, that so the proms in Hyde Park that gig was a hundred thousand people in attendance. Oh my god! So to 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 stand there and my job, you know, I I'm on both sides of the stage in the wings uh, throughout the night. So mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning of the show, I was on the left. I was on stage left, I think you'd call it right. And I'm looking out, and there's this little kid on his dad's shoulders getting in like he's going completely <laughs> in right like like he grew up with the music and i'm like you're like six man yeah you know? so then i go to the other side of the stage and there's this old lady who had to be no younger than 80 right going as hard as a six-year-old and i'm like see that's longevity right there you yeah, know what i mean yeah. to have an 80 year old and then a six-year-old going as deep in the music 
as each other in London. Yeah. With some dudes who came out of Los Angeles, Denver, and Chicago. True. You know what I'm saying? Which one was uh, from L.A.? Uh, Ralph Johnson. And he's their original drummer. Oh, okay. Is yeah. he the one that's like there now, but he does like more percussion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Dang it. All right. Well, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was crazy. Random question. Did any of them like kind of see you play? Yeah. Or like, how's yeah. that? Or did they? So, so my, my uncle had a, uh, on his rider, uh, there has to be a piano in every dressing room. Whoa, whoa. For, for him, right? Okay. Because what he would do is like, he, he's a, he's a, the, the cool thing about Earth, Wind, and Fire is everybody studies the game. Like, they've been in there forever, but everybody still studies. So my uncle, like, studies, like, avant-garde jazz and how the chord structures and everything work and how to play it, right? Mm-hmm. So a piano was was in every dressing room for him. Um, so when he wasn't in the room, he said I could play it whenever I wanted to. So there was one gig where the his dressing room was connected to Verdine and Ralph's dressing room. And uh, I was just playing something, and, and Verdine came in the room thinking it was my Uncle Phil. And he goes, oh. Oh, it's you? Okay. <laughs> no, you got chops. All right. All right. Okay. And then after that, you know, it, it, he, he, he kind of would tip me in on different things with music. Um, and then the musical director, um, he like gave me, like there was one moment where we got a chance to sit down at a piano together and play a Chick Corea song together. Um, you know, just, just different stuff like that, man. Spain? Where, yes. Dang. Yep. yep, yep. Yep. where he played like all the tough, difficult chord parts and I just got to play the lead line because that's yeah. all I knew at the time. <laughs> you know, But it was still legendary because I'm sitting here like, this dude has played with everybody. Like He was the MD for Whitney Houston and I'm sitting next to him playing. What's happening right now? Wow. You know, so. And you guys got to meet Chick, right? Yeah, he's really cool. Dang. He's re- like a really, really sweet guy. That is super dope. Yeah, he took everybody out for dinner the night after the show. Dang. Who, who's the, probably the most... Uh, famous person that you've uh, met outside of the group um george lucas and magic johnson george met, lucas yeah so met, random oh dude it was really random <laughs> so his, <laughs> his wife is black and george lucas's wife i promise you crazy maybe right? i've heard that actually but just yeah it's reclicking it right bugged now. me out it bugged me out heavy <laughs> um so his wife was for her non-profit she did a a gala that she hired earth Wind and fire for and so George was there. Dang. Yeah. And I was just like, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> he was like, I'm good. And I was like, you enjoy the show? He's like, yeah, really great show. Awesome. Bye. <laughs> like, I was like, it's like, what do you say? You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I mean, shoot. Some people know how to spark conversation. Maybe he's not one of them no, as much. He, he literally was standing in a corner just posted. Oh. Just yeah. like people know who I am. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It was more like... He was he was very very nice. If you spoke to him, he just seemed more out of his element. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, super nice guy though. Dope. Um. All right. So moving on. Oh, Simon Cow. He almost hit me with a car. Oh that what? Wasn't fun. That was. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. What's what's up with that story? We were uh, we were doing somebody's birthday party in uh in Barbados at this house like this millionaire's house right mm-hmm. um, and like the dude who produces uh, So You Think You Can Dance he was there like I was we were in conversation with him 
and Simon Cowell's car comes swerving around the corner, and the 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 guy over, so you think you can dance? He grabs me, pulls me out the way. The car zooms by. I look in and see it, Simon Cowell, and I'm like, what? What's life right now? Like, like that's <laughs> that's what happens on the road. Is is these crazy weird moments where you're like, is this real? You yeah, know, those kind of things happen a lot. What the heck? Shoot. All right. Well, now moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Was that kind of like when you were already a worship leader? Is that like right before or? That was all right before. Um, okay. God had me uh, quit there before I got, uh, before I became a worship leader. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, so what was what was that transition like? Um, we were in Canada and it, I guess it was a cold one. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we were in Canada and... Uh, I was getting off the tour bus, and I, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it any other way than I, I heard the Lord say, you're done. And I said, with what? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you know what I'm talking about, you're done. <laughs> and I was just in a haze the rest of the day. And I remember I went to uh, one of the sound guys, and who I knew was Christian, and I said, man, like I, I feel like I heard God say this, and I just don't know what to do. And he looked at me and he goes, uh, "Listen, man, you're gonna you're you're going to want to get out of here before God moves you." Mm. And I was like, "Oh no, wait a minute!" <laughs> and then I called my mom. I talked to her, and she said, "Do not get Jonah." That's that was her quote. Do not oh. get Jonah. Y'all fly too much. <laughs> get Jonah. I'm like, okay. So I prayed about it. Um, and then I I came home. I sat on it, and I remember I. I uh, called my uncle Philip, and he was all good with it. He said, you know, he was just mainly proud that I was listening to God and not just trying to do things just to do them, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I, I started I started worship leading with uh, Legacy uh, Church Two Forty Two's youth ministry. I started worship leading with them. Um, at first, it was just administrative, and then some kids tricked me to get on stage, and the rest <laughs> is history. That's super dope. And then you've been, so you've been doing that for how long now? Mm, man, I don't even know now. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, uh, so since, I want to say since maybe 2015. Okay. Yeah, because I, I still, I could be way wrong. I'm terrible with numbers and dates, but, but I, I, so I, I, you know, told my uncle that I was going to quit before I stopped working with him because we still had a couple of gigs left in the season and then my last gig was two days before New Year's Eve and then they had a gig in Miami in New Year's Eve and I that, I didn't go with them on that and that was it okay but I was worship leading or I was administratively worship leading at that point okay yeah and then okay so I guess one other question I had about that mm-hmm. that uh music industry experience yeah what as a Christian, like, mm-hmm. was it, was it, like, super difficult, or was there, like, certain things, or was it, like, kind of just normal? I mean, like, I don't want to make it sound like, uh, like, it could have just been nor like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't want to make it sound like it's this, like, two-sided thing, like, yeah. it can be, like, as a Christian, you can get through it easily or fine, but, like, I guess how difficult is the Got better it. question of so, during that time as a Christian. 
I probably had a little bit of a different experience than, than most um, because, one, my, my uncle is a Christian. So, you know, he's my uncle, he's my boss, and he's Christian. So it's not like I'm going to really get into anything too, too crazy because yeah. I know my boss and uncle is like always a stone's throw away from me, you know? Dope. Um, so I, and I know that if I'm wilding out in any way, like that's going home to pops, you know, like direct, like it's different when your boss has your dad's phone number on speed. Dial, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's not like I could really do anything too crazy. Um, but then on top of that, I'm, like if I'm being completely honest, like if you are on the road and in any forum, like whether it's with sports, whether it's with music, whether, you know you're a salesman, a traveling salesman of some, some kind, mm-hmm. and you're not focused, you're going to fall, period. So it, it just took a divine, honestly, a divine level of focus and not like not being able, like in my mind, I, there was this thing of like, I can't afford to look stupid in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So that kept me from, from, you know, all the, all the stuff that would make you fall like hard, hard. And plus, man, honestly, I just, I just believe what scripture says. And I know how God feels about double-minded people. Mm. And I really wasn't trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I just really wasn't trying to do that. So it's not like the opportunities weren't there. It's like, I mean, money, drugs, and women are everywhere, like everywhere on the road. Oh, okay. It's not like there weren't opportunities. It's just, you have to... For me, it was about getting in a habit before I even got on the road of saying no to things that I knew I shouldn't do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or that either either I knew God didn't agree with, I know scripture didn't agree with, and I know that my spirit didn't agree with, you know, getting in a habit of saying no to those things. So that way, when, when whatever God presents you in your life, especially something like the road, mm-hmm. it doesn't really hit you the same way, you know? It, it's not like you're not going to feel some kind of temptation sometimes but it's easier to say no if you've made a habit of it already you know yeah so yeah that was that was my big thing man it's just the the habit of no was already there so when when craziness did knock on my door it was like you know a couple joseph moments where it's like you know (laughs) you 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 might run out by the skin of your teeth but you you made it out you know what i mean (laughs) so yeah crazy yeah because yeah, like you you know how you always hear stories of like um some famous leader of some sort maybe pastor i don't know like where yeah. they try to like trap them in a like hotel room or something yeah yep. and stuff like that yeah i would just like imagine that well part of it is i, I was not you know i'm i'm not famous so that it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't really like coming after me like that you know what i mean yeah i'm sure it's it, it's different you know i'm sure it was massively different for like my uncle and, and the rest of the guys in the 70s when like they were in their heyday i'm sure Ugh. they they took like security measures and had to you know just for safety let alone you know god purposes yeah um so yeah i mean a big reason why i got a chance to skate is because i'm not famous so you know, <laughs> it, it was easy yeah that i feel that yeah so we're well, getting into the worship side of things yeah yeah um what was like the first service like? Oh man, of of like uh, fully leading a congregation. It was, you know, it was a blur. I don't really remember what the service was like. 
Or, uh, or okay. So, like, it didn't really... Yeah, because there was too many things on my mind. Like, I think people get stuck on, on what they see happen on stage, and, and that's maybe 10% of, of like, a Right, job. that's true. So, yeah. So it was like, after singing that last note, there were, like, five things that I had to do administratively, mm-hmm. like, right after that. Yeah. You know, to make sure that the week coming up wasn't wasn't a problem. Right. You know. Yeah. Because at, at the end of the day, like I was I was a a young kid who you know there were older people on the team who had been doing it way longer than I had. You know, so I had yeah. to I had to let everybody know that you know hey I might be young but I'm not dumb. Yeah. Like quick, you know. So the the service kind of is a blur to me at this point do you almost feel like you had to uh prove yourself to those people you know this is i really hope this doesn't sound corny um i'm sure i'm sure in the moment i probably felt that but looking back it's like i never really did have to prove myself god kind of put me in you know some uncomfortable circumstances so that like it spoke for itself you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, e- either you're a leader or you're not. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and and if you rise to the occasion to lead in that moment, in, in whatever the moment may be, you know, you know, you know that, that saying, real recognizes real? Yeah. It, it was that kind of thing. <laughs> Dope. You know? And then, uh, so like, okay, so I kind of wanted to pick your brain about yeah. um, the behind the scenes stuff. So like, <laughs> picking the quote-unquote talent or like what's your process and has it changed over time or that's tough because like i'm sure it depends on like like if if you if we were working with like a mega church or something it'll probably be a lot more tedious of a process i imagine right yeah yeah i'm sure but like if it's kind of like a for lack of a better term mom and pop style sure church or something then it maybe be a little bit more loose uh, yeah it's it's definitely more loose than some of the programs i've heard of mm-hmm. and some of the programs i know like friends have been through it, it is night and day more loose yeah but um i mean so so i mean that kind of saves us as far as picking talent the the thing is you know talent has to then become a loose word right because mm-hmm. that's part of the thing you get with, with, you know, and this might be taboo to say, but I, you know, with, with bigger churches, there is a, there's more people. And if there's more people, there's a bigger talent pool, right? Yeah. So if, if there's a bigger talent pool, that, that means the chances of you getting like crazy gifted people is, is higher. True. In a smaller church, you know, it's like you, 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 you get, like we've been blessed to get some crazy talented people where it's like what in the world <laughs> like oh my, oh my gosh you know um but the cool thing i think we've gotten a chance to see is people who may not have started off super talented ended up getting to a place where they were confident yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think one of the things because our process isn't super tedious one of the things that has to rule out above all is is their heart you know, that's a big, big, big point because you could be the most talented person in the world. But if you come in with a funky attitude, yeah, it, it like I'm I am not the only worship leader on that stage. Yeah. Any given Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody who is on the stage, you know, giving musical 
you know, giving their musical ability and talent to this moment, they are leading the congregation, a part of leading the congregation in worship. So, yeah, you know, if, if, if the heart ain't right, that's going to be felt no matter what. You can try to mask it all you want, but that, that's going to do something to the room. You would think people would like, it's going to sound like ob- maybe obvious to me and you, but like mm-hmm. you would think kind of people would re- like see, you know, because the Bible does kind of talk about, you know, humbling yourself and sure. being humble and like realizing like, oh, maybe I'm the flawed one or whatever. <laughs> and then yeah. you just see like examples of that not being, the, I don't know. <laughs> right, right. But I think, I think one, that's, that's with the hope that people are reading their Bible, right? Yeah, very true. That's that's one part of it is people just aren't reading like that. Yeah. And then the other part of it is it's after a while, it's very easy for being on a worship team and being unpaid, unfortunately. Um, it, it'll make it feel like a job for some people. Yeah. You know, and once that happens, it, they're not even like it. It's easy to slip into that. You know yeah. what I mean? I've watched a bunch of people slip into that that thing, and it's like they they forgot why they had fire in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, very true. Yeah, very true. Um, so before I get into the pet peeves, because that's like <laughs> the part I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> uh, uh, your as far as like your interaction with the congregation, like out, like a, like after service mm-hmm. or even like before service, like mm-hmm. how. Like they're do, like how do they like, or do they try to put like input in like your your moves or yes. like <laughs> yes song choices and yes. stuff like that yes all the time. <laughs> what, all the time. You have any like cr- like crazy examples? Man, I got shoulder checked once. Like literally, oh an my. old woman shoulder checked me. Gosh. Like put her shoulder in the center of my chest and push hard. I mean hard. What was because. That? She told the pastor, and this this wasn't at Church Two Forty Two. Thank God. <laughs> the, <laughs> she, she told the she told the pastor of the church that I, I and I wasn't even the worship leader. I was just helping out. I was just there to sing. You yeah. Know? Um. And uh, she told the pastor that the, her exact quote was, "I am sure that he is worshiping God in his own way, but his gyrating is too distracting for me." Ugh. And for that, she felt was a reason to shoulder check me. Whoa. You dig what I'm saying? So, not, to, not to, like, all right, whatever. I'm getting super, I'm, <laughs> I'm going off the rails right now. She black? She white? Hey, man, listen. <laughs> you, you got one shot and uh, to, 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 to get that answer correct. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. It was, it was uh, the music we were doing was contemporary. Oh. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Okay, because yeah. the shoulder check like has me thinking what type of way, but yeah. that answer has me thinking a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, cause I've had you know, you know, people in in in. Well, I, I mean, the culture is different. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The culture is different, and so you, some people come from cultures like like the Lutheran background. If you move, it's real, real, real weird. Mm, yeah where it's like in gospel it's like if you don't move it's weird it's like why is that person so still yeah you know my so, my marriage is like a complete example of that. <laughs> shout out to courtney all love it's just like i'm not even like really a moving person like that but yeah. i i can like you know i you get adapt 
Yeah, 100%. You know? I don't, 100%. I don't know she's on the same page, baby. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, 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 that that definitely must be a cultural thing. Because like a dope bass line and like a dope like drum beat can take me a long way. Come on. But with her, it's kind of like, oh, like this cello is nice. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just obviously just different. Not like one's better than the other, but. 100%. But then at the same time, it just like it hits me so hard. It's like, how do you? hear this right. like dope bass line <laughs> or like drum beat like, yeah. yeah right yeah it's tough because well even my wife she she doesn't she does not hear bass lines like it takes her mm. forever to hear low tones but that's, that's just her ear yeah you know what i mean a lot of people are trained like or th- that makes sense like a like hearing the bass i i that yeah. i hear that all the time yeah i guess for me it's more so like if like people who don't acknowledge like that like like when a drummer's going in yeah right. i feel like that should just be the most innate thing in everyone and it's 100%. so not it isn't, it isn't. <laughs> well especially within worship because i mean you gotta realize like a lot of people feel like you know when when a singer is doing riffs and i'm not saying even too many i'm saying any riffs at all yeah or a drummer is you know get a chance to you know do his do his thing right or a bass player is shredding or whatever mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that feel like in the context of church and worship music that that is taking away from god mm. a lot of people yeah. feel that and yeah. and i don't believe that you know i personally believe that that is you know in 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 the right context and in you know done by the the right heart of course it is giving glory to god because of the gifts given yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's in how my I look head at it. in my heart, it's almost disrespectful to kind of go halfway if God has given you a whole yeah. bunch. Like you phoning know? it in or going through the yeah. motions or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, man, like I mean God even talks about that, man. He calls it a clanging symbol in his ear. Mm. I'm like, dude, I never ever want to be that. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And and like I think part of the thing is like as a as a person on on stage in a church. One, keeping your heart in check. That's number one. And then number two, being you. So it's like if somebody says, well, you're doing this about you, they could say that all they want to at the end of the day. That's between you and God. And if God moved in the room, then really it's like, you know, we all know those services where the spirit moves heavy and Mm. it's undeniable. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> undeniable. It's yes. like, well, then at the end of that, like, you anything that anybody says is irrelevant. Yeah. You know? Because it's like, God, as long as God got glory, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And that's so, like a whole nother episode man. that I could, we could get into because I feel so strongly about that. Like, a chord, like the, of course, like, like you said, the right context mm-hmm. of, like, changing the key. Yep. or something yep. like what that does yep like that to me like yeah phoning it in um or you know going through the motions or whatever mm-hmm. like that that definitely seems contrary to like using your gifts like, yeah bro i feel like i feel like it's the difference between like the cain sacrifice versus the abel sacrifice oh um, like, okay yeah abel gave everything he had everything well, mm-hmm. not, I mean, not everything, but you understand what I mean. Like, he, he gave the best of what he had. Mm-hmm. Cain still gave. It's not like Cain didn't give. 
<laughs> he still gave. Yeah. But it just wasn't the best of what he had, and God yeah. knew it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I want to yeah. give the best of what I got. You know what I mean? And I expect that of of people who are on teams with me. It's like if we're if we're if we are doing this, then we have to give the best we got. Yeah. You know, God is worthy of that at least, at oh, the very least. Most definitely. And for me, like when I when I picture heaven, I don't picture it like, all right, we're gonna study this music and we're just gonna play. <laughs> it's like I see us like going come in. On, come on, right? Just like. Right. Just, yeah, just right. to where we're just like tired. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then you, then like you're tired, you look up, you see God again, and you get re energized. Yeah. Like, All right, let's go. Let's go. I got eight more songs. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, last thing I want to ask you your yes, pet sir. peeves mm-hmm. about, uh, yeah. So, your pet peeves of being a worship leader, like what things just kind of, tick you off or what things are just like non-negotiable absolutely not in my like in my vicinity <laughs> oof, oof. well there, there are two very main things like like two two big things for me um the non-negotiable like i don't i don't budge here like i mm-hmm. just don't budge here is the set and, and it kind of goes back to the last question you asked me like for, for me like when people give set suggestions I'm all good with that. Like I'm, I'm good if you suggest something. Yeah. What I'm not good with is if you, if you catch an attitude because I don't play your song, you know, in the next couple months, if at all. Yeah. Ever. You know, it's <laughs> like, because then I have to ask the question: Who was that song suggested for? Like you or the congregation or God? Yeah. And nine times out of nine, it's for them whether they know it or not. You know what I mean? Because I think sometimes people, what they expect is, like, what I, what I think people's, like, unspoken expectation of the job of a worship leader is, you need to create or recreate a moment I had with God. And I'm like... Oh, uh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, either they've been to a worship concert or a conference and they connected with God on this song and because they connected with God on that song... I have to now do that song and give them that moment again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, first off, I'm never going to be able to do that ever. Yeah. Like I could do the song and it'll never work out like yeah. it did the last time. One, I'm a different leader. So whoever led that song has a better <laughs> shot at doing it. And they probably won't even do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Two, whatever God did in that moment is what God needed to do with you in that moment. It ain't got nothing to do with me. It's yeah. nothing to do with me. So, I, so when it comes to the set, I, I'm very, very protective over the set. Simply because at the end of the day, like what I love about Church 242 is Pastor Craig really doesn't micromanage the worship team at all. Like at all. We right. never, ever talk about the set. Like, the, matter of fact, the most we talk about the set is Sunday after church. Where he goes, dude, that's crazy how that lined up. And I'm like, right? You know, with the message in the set. And it's because he, like God taught me this very early on. Uh, in in worship leading where he said if if the pastor has been praying and seeking my face on what he's supposed to speak speak about and you've been praying and seeking my face on what you're supposed to sing don't you think i would want a consistent message right so if i'm in if god is in control of the whole thing right Mm -hmm. and we're both like the, the the pastor and myself or the speaker and 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 the worship leader are are seeking god it it should line up yeah. It should. 
doesn't always work that way, <laughs> but it should line up. Thankfully, at our church, we've seen that happen way more often than not, you know, um, to, to the point where sometimes the message will say words that were in the songs and we don't talk, you know. Yeah, um, that's the dope. Those moments are so dope. Man, it's bananas, even for me. Like, like I'll be on stage giggling when I get to certain <laughs> words and I'm like, oh my gosh, you just said that. And he's yeah. looking like, I know, what? You know, so it's, you know, so when it comes to people, you know, suggesting songs, I'm all good with that. I'm good with that. What I'm not good with is attitude being thrown when I don't do them because it's not me. It's, it's God didn't do it. Yeah. And God didn't do it because that's not what he had planned for the day. It ain't really got much to do with me, <laughs> you know. Um, and then the other pet peeve, and, and hopefully I clear some things up, is, is Christmas time for a oh, worship yeah. leader. I love Christmas. I love Christmas for me and my family. I love how it feels. But as a worship leader, I feel like that is the one season in a year where worship leaders aren't like we're not expected to do our job we're expected to become a macy's jukebox uh, and that mess drives me crazy like do people hit you up like just all the time uh, about like do this song joy to the world well you know what nobody ever like says do this song they they try to guilt trip me like well we know you'll never do this so Ugh. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Heck? now I won't. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, so that's, that's frustrating because it's like, it's the one moment in a year where it's like, it's almost like you go hard all year and, and God moves and it's all good. And that's not to say that God can't move through Christians, I mean, through Christmas songs. God can do whatever he wants to do at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just, it's tougher for my heart to get engaged with, you know, Christmas music in, in church knowing that the only reason I'm doing this song is to so that I don't get emails you know what I mean? <laughs> and texts Ugh. like that 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 is a big pet peeve it is not that I don't like Christian music just for anybody listening to this I are Christmas I love Christmas music I love Christmas it's just tough as a leader to lead that in a church yeah when it wasn't it's not in your heart to do you know yeah 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 I know for me, whenever we do, I'm like, I'm always like, all right, how can we just like, <laughs> how can right. we just change the crap out of this song? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's the, that's the thing, right? Because that's exactly it, man. Like those songs have been played millions of times yeah. in one year, let alone every year that they've been in existence. <laughs> millions yeah. of times. So it's like, man, you're gonna like... You're going to hear it in church, and then you're going to get in your car, and then you're going to hear it on the radio, and then you're going to get into the store, and you're going to hear it on the PA system in the store, then you're going to go to the grocery store, and you're going to hear it, and it's like mm -hmm. the same song. It's yeah. like, all right, man, like in church, like do we need to do this right now? Like, yeah, there's some really, the meanings behind the songs are good, and I get it. I get it. Yeah. But come on, man. Like you're messing, you're messing with the set now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, most deaf. Um, but shoot, that's, that's it. That's the it. podcast right there. Thank you for it. doing this. Oh man. Thank you for having me, bro. Always. I love talking with you, man. I feel, I feel sane when I talk. To you. <laughs> <laughs> well, honored. And we, shoot, we need to jam soon. Bro, please. Some realness. Please.